The Mishnah has begun its discussion of a Rivei Tuchumen, which is when one makes an Erev in order to extend the distance which he can walk on Shabbos in any particular direction. And there are two ways to make the Erev before Shabbos. One is to actually go there yourself, to the place where you want the Erev to be. And the other is to make sure that you can maybe send a messenger, or you can go and put food in the place where you want the Erev to be. And the way it works is that the food defines where your Mokim HaShavisa is, where your living place for Shabbos is, and from that point you've got 2,000 Amas in every direction. So if you put the area of, let's say, just under 2,000 Amas away from the city, so you can go now 4,000 Amas in that direction, but you would lose your distance on the other side of the city. Now if you make an area with food, it has to be food which you can eat. We already saw that it has to be considered a meal, you can't just put water there or salt, or little, little dishes like that. It's got to be a real meal, and as well as that, it's got to be something which is permitted to eat. So the Mishnah is going to list lots of things which are permitted and lots of things which are forbidden to eat and whether they can be used for an Erev or not. Moreover with Demai, one can use Demai for his Erev. Demai refers to produce bought from an Amha'aretz, an ignorant person who isn't trusted with regards to tithing his produce. At least Mijabonon he's not trusted. And so Mijabonon he needs to separate tithes from that produce again. Now since this is Mijabonon they applied a few leniencies, for example poor people do not have to separate tithes from Demai. So even though most people are not allowed to eat Demai, since it is permitted for certain people, you can make an error of using that food. And the truth is over here, it's even more than that. Because even a wealthy person could technically make himself poor whenever he likes. He could declare all of his property ownerless, he'll be considered poor, and technically he'll be able to eat Demai. So this is considered food that she could eat, and so he can use it to make his error of Tuchumin. Over my Sarishan Shlitzel my Sarishan, whose Trumas Maisa has been separated. My Sarishan is a tenth of one's produce which he gives to a Levi, and once the Levi receives that, he has to separate one tenth of that as Trumas Maisa and give it to a Kohen. So once he's done that, then the food becomes permitted to be eaten. So it can be used for an Erev. Of a Maisa Shani with Hektish, and Maisa Shani and Besamikla's property, Maisa Shani is a tenth of one's produce which he needs to bring up and eat in Yerushalayim. And in this case, the Hektish would be, let's say, if somebody designated some of his food to the Besamikdash. If he doesn't want to, let's say, bring up all of the food physically to the Beis HaMikdash, he can redeem that onto money. So now the money has the Maishashenyi status within it. And then spend the money in Yerushalayim on food, and that food would replace the original Maishashenyi. So Shaniftu, once these have been redeemed onto money, so the original produce is no longer considered Maishashenyi, and therefore it's permitted to be eaten anywhere, even outside of Yerushalayim, and so it can be used for an Erev Tuchumen. Ba'akhanim ba'chala uvetruma. And Kranim can use Chala or Truma. Chala is the gift of dough which is given to a Kohen. And Truma is the gift of produce which is given to a Kohen. So since they're allowed to eat it, they can make an Erev of using this food. Now in the previous mission we saw an opinion that even a regular Jew can use Truma for his Erev. As long as it's permitted food for some people. So according to that, it could be that the Mishnah over here just mentions the regular case. Because Kranim are the people who generally would have Truma and Chala. On the other hand, of a tevel, one cannot use tevel for his Erev Tchumen. That refers to produce from which the tithes have not yet been separated, so it's forbidden to eat it. One cannot use Maiserishan from which the Trumas Maisa has not been separated. So the Levi has not separated a tenth of what he received to give to a Kohen. With Maiserishan or Hekdash produce, because I make those produce which has not yet been redeemed onto something else. So it is still considered to be Maishashani or Hektish. All these things cannot be used for Erev, since it's not considered a meal or your living place, since you're not allowed to eat it. Now there's a big difference between how Erev Chatzeros work and how Erev Tuchumen work. When one makes Erev Tuchumen, the thing which decides that this is considered as Mokmash Shavisa 
is not the fact that there is food there now, rather it's the fact that you put it there and you designate that place as your Mokim HaShavisa. Whereas when it comes to Yerichat Seirais, it's the fact that you have food there and that shows joint ownership, it shows that all of the houses are combined, but it's not the act of putting food in a particular house, rather it's the situation of having food in the house. Now this difference gives rise to the following law, one who sends his food for his Eruv in the hands of a deaf and dumb person, or a fool, or a child under Barabbas Mitzvah, so these people are exempt from keeping mitzvahs, and they're all considered to be lacking significant intelligence and not reliable. So if you send your Eruv in their hands, so when it comes to Eruv Echatzeros, as long as you find out that at the end of the day your food reached the other house, so it will be valid. But when it comes to Eruv Echatzeros, the person placing the food there has to have intentions, he has to designate that as the Mokma Shavisa of the person who sent him, and for that, these people are not reliable to do that, so they would not be able to be messengers for Eruv Echatzeros. And as well as that, if you send a messenger, if you send the Eruv in the hands of somebody who doesn't agree with the concept of Eruv, this refers to people like the Kusim, which was a nation who didn't really accept the Midrabonan laws, such as Eruvin. So if you send an Eruv in his hands to put there, then even if you know that it got there in the end, nevertheless, Eina Eruv, it's not considered an Eruv, because you cannot rely on him that he had the correct intentions to designate that as his Mokamash Visa. If the person also told somebody else to get the Erev from this Kherishetavakatan, or the one who doesn't agree with Erev, and we need to add that he saw the Kherishetavakatan give it over to the other person, so then Harizah Erev is considered an Erev, even though a Kherishetavakatan or somebody else did transport it to the other person, that's okay because only the actual designating and placing the food down in the Mokmash Visa. Only that requires the correct intentions, and therefore needs to be done by a fully competent person. Mishnah Gimel, an important rule to know in terms of the laws of Eirevet Chumin, is that it all depends on the stage when Shabbos comes in. By the time that Shabbos comes in, the Erev still needs to be there, and it has to be possible for you to eat that food during that moment that Shabbos comes in. Now the halacha is that during Bein HaShemoshes, which is the time where day turns into night, and it's sort of a doubt as to whether it's considered day or night. And so Ben Hashemoshos, when Shabbos is coming in, that is a time where it is considered to be a doubt whether it is Shabbos or not. And the halacha is that one is allowed to violate most Midirabonon prohibitions of Shabbos during Ben Hashemoshos of Shabbos. Since it's anyway only a doubt whether it's Shabbos, one is allowed to do something which is Midirabonon Osir, as long as it is for the sake of a mitzvah. It follows therefore that if in order to eat the food at the time that Shabbos is coming in, one would need to violate a Isra Midraisa, then the Erev Tuchumin does not work. But if all he needs to do is violate an Isra Midrabanon, then the Erev Tuchumin does work, since one is allowed to violate a Midrabanon prohibition of Shabbos during Ben Hashemoshos for the sake of a mitzvah. As we'll see later on in the Masechta, one is only really allowed to make Erev Tuchumin if it's for the sake of a mitzvah. If he needs to travel further for the sake of a mitzvah, which means that the entire Erev Tchumen is considered like part of the mitzvah, and so the Erev Tchumen would be valid, even if it would require you to violate a prohibition with Yabonon in order to eat that food. And it's important to realize we're not talking about actually eating the food. The point is it has to be possible for you to eat it, so that it can be considered a living place for you, and so that it can become your Mokim Hashavisa. So the Mishnah says, the son of Elon, if somebody put his Erev in a tree, and we're talking about where he puts it on a tree which is thick, 
and it's at least 10 by 4 tfachim. So if you place the Erev on the tree, it's considered like putting it onto a Rishush HaYochid. If the tree is the Man Me'asar Tfachim, if it's at least 10 Tfachim high, and of course 4 Tfachim wide. So if you put your Erev there, and you intend that your Mokim HaShavisa is going to be, let's say, on the ground nearby the tree. And the ground is part of the Rishush HaRabim. So your Mokim HaShavisa is in Rishush HaRabim, and the food is in Rishush HaYochid. So the mission, Ein Erev Erev, his Erev is not considered a valid Erev, since even during Ben Hashemoshes, as Shabbos is coming in, he would not be permitted to take that food and eat it within his Mokim HaShavisa, since it's forbidden with a to carry something from Rishush HaYochid into Rishush HaRabim. Lamatim HaShavim, if the branch which the Erev was placed on is shorter than 10 Tfachim high, so then it's not considered to be an Erosh Sayochid, rather it's considered to be a Carmelis. It's neither a Sayochid or a Sharabim, but it's forbidden with Jabonon to carry from a Carmelis into those two Rishudais, into those two domains. But again, since it's only forbidden with Jabonon, you would be able to do it during Ben Hashemoshes, and therefore Erov Erov, his Erov is considered to be valid. The son of Babur, if he placed the Erov into a pit, and we're discussing a situation in which the pit was within a Carmelis, the area around the pit was a Carmelis, and this pit is a Rishosayachid. It's at least 4 by 10 Tfachim deep. Even if it's 100 Amis deep, a Ruva Erev is considered to be an Erev, since it is only forbidden with Jabonon to take that food from the pit into the Carmelis around it. So if he designated the Carmelis as his Mokamashavisa, then even if the Erev is not in the Carmelis but it's in the Rishosayachid next to it, nevertheless the Erev is still valid. If you place the Erev at the top of a reed, or on top of a pole, and we're discussing a reed or pole, which is less than 4 by 4 Tfachim in terms of its width and length, which means that if you put the Erev on top of it, that's considered a Mokim Ptur, an exempt area where you're actually allowed to transfer from that area into other, into other domains. So if, let's say, the pole is in Rosh Hashanah, you'd be allowed to take the food down from the pole into the Rosh Hashanah. So the Mishnah says, In a case where it is uprooted, so when it comes to the reed, as long as it is not still attached to the ground, and it is stuck into the ground, but not growing from the ground, even if it's a hundred amas tall, it would be considered a valid Erev. However, if the reed was still attached to the ground, then it is forbidden, since there is another prohibition Mijabonon of taking things down from a reed, since the reed wasn't so strong, and it's very likely that you might come to uprooting the reed as you are taking the Erev down. And since that is a severe Mijabonon decree, even during Mirashmoshes it will be forbidden to violate that, and therefore your Erev would not be considered a valid Erev. And the mission ends off with another exception, the Solimba Migdol, if he places Erev into a closet, into a cupboard, and he lost the key to this cupboard. And the only way to open the cupboard without the key is to cut the ropes which are closing up the cupboard. And cutting ropes is forbidden with Jabonon. Now since the validity of the Erev is dependent on the time that Shabbos comes in during Ben Hashemoshes, and during Ben Hashemoshes, this twilight time, one is allowed to violate a Mijabonon prohibition in general, Harry's the Erev, it is considered to be a valid Erev. For Biliezer, Mary Biliezer says, If the person does not know that the key is in its place, meaning if he thinks that it's mamash totally lost, then Eina Erev, it is not considered to be a valid Erev. And the reason for this is because Biliezer follows the opinion of Rabbi Nechemia, who is very strict with regards to the laws of Muktza, and holds that on Shabbos one is not allowed to use any utensil or any tool other than for its regular primary purpose which it's meant for. Now over here, the way he's going to cut the rope is he's going to use a knife which is usually designated for other things, such as cutting food. So according to Nehemiah, that would be a violation of the Midrash Bonon prohibition of Muktzah, 
So it comes out that you would need to violate two forbidden Midrabanon things in order to access your food. Firstly, Mukta, and secondly, cutting the ropes. And to do two Midrabanon prohibitions is forbidden even during Ben Ashmoshais, and as such, Eino Erev is not considered to be a valid Erev according to Rebbe Yezer. Mishadalad, what happens if Nisgalgal Chutzat Chum, if the food that you place down for your Erev Tachumin rolled further than the Tachum? So let's say you place it at the edge of the 2000 Amos limit, but then it rolled a bit away, such that it is now further than 2,000 amos away from your city. So at the time that Shabbos comes in, you're not able to access that food from your Mokimash visa. Or if the Nofalal of Gal, if a pile of rubble falls onto the Erev, so he'll need to violate a Melochah mid to move the rubble and dig for his Erev, a Nisraf where it got burnt, a Truma of a Nitmes, or if it was Truma and it became Tomei, it's forbidden to eat truma, which is Tomei. So in any of these cases, if this occurred while it was still daytime, before Shabbos came in, then in Erev it's not considered to be an Erev. If it happens after it became dark, after Shabbos came in, then Erev, the Erev is still considered valid, since it all depends on the time that Shabbos comes in. Now what happens if in Sofik, if it's a doubt as to when exactly the food was destroyed? So you're not sure whether the Erev was valid or not. Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Meir, and Rabbi Yehuda say, Harry's a Chamar Gamal. This person is considered a Chamar Gamal, which literally means a donkey driver and a camel driver. So what does that mean? So when one walks with a donkey, the donkey walks in front of the person, and the person guides it from the back. Whereas when one guides a camel, he holds onto the leash, and the camel actually walks behind the person. So if somebody is both a donkey driver and a camel driver, so he's standing in the middle of both of them, and he needs to constantly be looking back and forwards to guard both the camel and the donkey. So a person who has a doubtful Erev is compared to this camel and donkey driver, because he is now stuck between two different Mokimashavisas. If it's not a valid Erev, then he has 2,000 Amas in every direction. So let's say he could go to the east 2,000 Amas and to the west 2,000 Amas. But if his Erev is valid, and if let's say we imagine he put his Erev at the end of 2,000 Amas in the eastward direction, so if it is valid, that means that he cannot go to the west at all, but he can go 4,000 Amas to the east. So if he's not sure whether it's valid or not, he can only travel to the area where he would be able to travel whether it is or isn't an Erev. So in our example, that would only be 2,000 Amas to the east. But he would not be able to go any further than that in that direction, and nor would he be able to travel to the west in case it is considered a valid Erev. Rabbi Yisrael, Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Yisrael, Rabbi Shimon says, fake Erev Kosher, a doubtful Erev is considered valid, and you would be able to travel 4,000 Amas in the east, and this is based on the principle known as Chazaka, though we assume that something remains the same, unless we know for sure that it changed. So in this case, he knew that there was definitely an Erev there before Shabbos came in, and he's not sure when it changed. So based on the principle of Chazaka, he can assume that it remained as it was, up until the point where he is sure that it changed. And Omar Biyasi, Biyasi said, Avtulmais heid mishum chamisha zakeinim. Avtulmais testified in the name of five zakeinim, five elderly tamid chachamim al sfeik erev shakasher about a doubtful erev that it is considered valid. Mishnah hey, after understanding how an erev tchumin works, that it changes one's mokim hashavisa. It defines where one's living place is considered, so that he has two thousand amas in every direction from there. We can understand that one cannot make two different erevin. 
can't make an Erev on either side of the city and then be able to travel 4,000 Amas in both directions because one only has one Mokimah one living place. However, this Mishnah is coming to tell us that one can make two Eruvin on condition that he will only use one of them. And the first example of the Mishnah is where somebody is afraid that non-Jews are going to enter the city and there's no danger of life, but he'll want to leave the city. But he doesn't know where the non-Jews will come from and in which direction he'll want to go. So he can make two different Eruvin on either side of the city, and then Masna Odman Eruvay, he can make a condition on both of the Eruvs which he sets up. The Omer and say, in Bo, if the non Jews come from the east side of the city, then Eruvi Lamarov, I want my Eruv only to be valid on the west side of the city. Only that should be my actual Eruv, my Makamash Visa, so that I'll be able to flee 4,000 Amas to the west of the city. If the non-Jews come from the west side of the city, then Erev Mizrach, then my Erev on the east side of the city should be the valid one. In Bo, Mekan, Mekan, if they come from both sides of the city, then to whichever direction I want to go, that should be the valid Erev. And Lo, Ba'olo, Mekan, Mekan, if they don't end up coming at all from either direction, then behold, I am like the people of my city, and neither of the Erev should be valid. My Mokamash Visa should be the city itself, so that I have 2,000 Amos in every direction. And this is based on a principle known as Brera, which is where retroactively, once something occurs, we view it as if that was the situation from the start. This is a machoikas in multiple places in Shas, and this Mishnah holds that it is permitted and that Brera does work. Okay, the Mishnah now gives a second example. In Bochoch and Mizrach, if a wise man who he's expecting to come, let's say he knows that the Tamil Chochm is coming to the city, but he just doesn't know which way he'll come from. So he says that if he comes from the east side, then Eruvi la Mizrach, my Eruv should be on the east side that, so that I can actually reach him. Minamarov, if he comes from the west side, and I'll need to travel, let's say, four hours to get to him, so Eruvi la Marov, my Eruv should be on the west side. Barakan if he comes from both sides, meaning if two different Tamidichachom come, then to whichever direction I will want to go. That area should be the valid one. Lodakam, Lodakan. If they don't come from any direction, if they don't end up coming, then Harin Kivneiri, I should be considered like the people of my city and I have 2,000 Amas in every direction from the city. Now, interestingly, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, if two Tawinichachom end up coming from different places, from different directions, even though in his condition he said that he'll go to either one he chooses, and that area should be valid, if one of the Tawinichachom who come where it was his actual teacher, so then we assume that his condition was really that he would go to his teacher, whatever happens, and therefore he can't choose which direction to go, rather, he needs to go to the direction in which his teacher came from, since we consider his intention to be that that area should be the valid one.